Hello, Denim Heads, and welcome to your 21st Hangout with the Sons of Selvage. This is a podcast where a group of friends get together to talk about denim, boots, rugged wear, and related interests. We aim for this to be a fun and inclusive podcast where you feel like you're hanging out with longtime friends. But be warned, there's a bit of banter cutting up in explicit language. In this episode, we'll be hanging out with the founders and a new friend from our community uh, to talk about downsizing our collection. So maybe a quick round of intros, starting with Andy. I'm Andy. I'm David. I'm Ilya. Hey, I'm Kevin. I'm Tom. And I'm Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Rick, you might need to turn up your volume a bit if you can. Oh, is that too low? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, It's a deep, sexy sub-bass rumble. Yeah. Um... It's like you're hiding in a corner oh, there we go. or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am Rick in the corner. Cool, yeah. So uh, first time having Ricky on the podcast. He's a friend of ours from all of our London hangouts. So uh, welcome, dude. And, and maybe if you want, say just a, a word or two about yourself. And then we'll jump into the news. Oh, cool. Um, so how's it going, everyone? Um, yeah. Uh, not sure where to start. Born. <laughs> Portuguese <laughs> citizen, born, born in Portugal. Um, uh, grew up in the States for the first seven years of my life, then uh, moved back uh, with my parents. And yeah, it's been, been seven, the past seven years of my life here in London now. Awesome, dude. Great to have you on the pod. Um, and uh, it's been a long time coming because you're always uh, hanging out with us every time we meet up in London. So it's so good to have you on. Um, Cool. And I actually realized I lied a minute ago because I'm, I'm half awake. Uh, we're not actually going to jump right into the news. Uh, instead, we'll first kick it off with current interests like we always do. I should know this, but uh, as I mentioned, I'm just waking up. I haven't had enough coffee. So, uh, yeah, Andy, do you want to kick it off with the current interest? Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's been ages, hasn't it, since I've been on this on, on due to on uh, work and parenting. Yeah, I don't plan for this, Rick. It's been an age since we recorded, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so what's the first thing I'm going to talk about? Uh, yeah, so uh, it was my birthday last week, and um, I went to Manchester, and I went to Damnation Fest, and saw Converge play Jane Doe in its entirety, at the gates play Sort of the Soul in its entirety, I saw a little bit of Godflesh, but they're fucking boring because it, it's just two blokes and a blooming sampler uh, and a ton of other bands. And it was great. Um, at the Gates and Converge were fucking life-affirming. Uh, some of the best things I've ever seen live. I've seen Converge a couple of times before, but the fact they played like a 21-year-old album and played it like it was freshly recorded and they still had the same energy they did back when they were you know they must have been about 25 when they released that album um just blitzing around it was great uh, i lost my voice within the first minute um engineer boots are great in the pit because people leave you alone um and yeah it was amazing um yeah and i didn't spend much money which was good did you not get loads of beer and piss spilled all over your engineer boots uh no 
No, I had one guy try and start on me before the gig, but he was hammered. And then we had a hug and then he wandered off and then it was all good. Um, no, I didn't. Um, I think the worst thing that happened was afterwards I had to walk through across a grassy verge and got wet pants. Oh. <laughs> I mean, aren't engineer boots designed for like hot slag and, you know, all kinds of crazy shit from factories. So surely uh, beer and sweat will cause no harm. Yeah, they just need a quick wipe. It's fine. But I'm yeah. sure there's, there's pl- probably plenty of um, hot slags up there, wasn't there? Oh, <laughs> Ilya, lowering the tone. <laughs> That's just disappointing. Sorry. It is slag meant molten metal. Uh, it does. It also has other meanings in the UK, David. Oh, um, Lord. Uh, someone of uh, ah. yeah, someone someone who enjoys a good time um, of, of of either genders uh, or all genders, should I say? Um, yeah, there was mostly a lot of uh, slightly paunchy blokes in camo shorts and um, like really battered band t-shirts and they all have ponytails. That sounds like your crowd, apart from yeah. the ponytails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Heavy metal fan start shit. Camo short shorts. Beer, beer belly, camo shorts, and a, an obscure band t shirt. Speaking of obscure bands, uh, for us less musically inclined on rock music, what, what genre are these bands? Um, oh, it was a wide range. It's all kind of within the metal and hardcore scene, um, but kind of quite a wide range. There was some. Uh, Black Metal, The Wolves in the Throne Room were there playing their last album in full. I think they played in full. That was amazing. Um, I spent most of the time at the bar trying to get served. Um, At the Gates, a kind of old school (laughs) death metal. Uh, Converge are like super, super chaotic um, metallic hardcore. So it's especially that on Jane Doe, it's just all over the place. But it's still catchy as hell. On the topic of Manchester, I saw that uh, BBC has put out a documentary about the Hacienda Club. Oh, I watched good. it last night. It's re- really cool. Uh, I think as uh, someone into music and into the Manchester scene, uh, you'll probably really enjoy it. Full on Manchester. Uh, the only the only downside is they have one of the Oasis brothers on it, but he's not a complete knob, so it's okay. <laughs> so not Liam then. <laughs> I thought both of them were knobs, but yeah, they, they are both. <laughs> there's, 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 the brother, there's, there's the other brother as well, who's not in the band. He's like the normal bloke. He's like a builder or something. No, it's definitely one of the brothers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's cool. They even have some like footage of like Joy Division and um, like even like Madonna playing at the club mm-hmm. when like no one knew who she was and there was like 50 people in the audience. It's it's a uh, it's pretty interesting. And everyone's doing an absolute fuck ton of e. <laughs> yeah, it goes into that. What what do people do at uh, rock shows? Just like get really shit faced on beer. Just get pissed, I think. I think if there's a f- I'm. I was gonna say uh, drug drugs, always in the metal scene, but I think at gigs people rather just get pissed. Yeah, I mean my my usual kind of timetable for a gig is get there, buy a drink, jump into a mosh pit realize I, i'm not as fit as i used to be uh be exhausted for about <laughs> next half hour get drunk enough until i realize i'm not exhausted and then get back in the pit and then get a stitch yeah <laughs> after i sit down oh oh lactic acid builds up 
song. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, also on that note, if, if, if folks haven't seen it, the documentary they did on Netflix about uh, Woodstock 1999. Oh, <laughs> I haven't watched that. I've watched the, uh, there was an old documentary, I think the BBC put out, like, not long after it happened. And that was bad enough. I've heard this one's really, it is pretty gnarly. It's insane. It's like it's like basically like uh, like a Mad Max film scene, like film setting where it's like you know shit's on fire, things are blowing up, you know people are rioting. It's it was it was pretty crazy. I was shocked to to realize how insane it was when that happened. It's but uh, like a kind of a microcosm of society kind of collapsing, and you see like the <laughs> water, and if you like overcharge them, it just turns into chaos. People just start burning things. It's like yeah, revolution. It. It's all Corn's fault. Was it John 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 Jonathan Davis? The song break. Oh, and, and Limp Biscuit song break yeah. stuff. Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And they were like Go- put down that like camera tower, and he was just like, "Yeah, bring it down." <laughs> I think Corn's just launched uh, dog dog apparel. Of course they have. <laughs> a corn a corn becoming like our generation's kiss. Oh, I love like oh yeah Jonathan condoms with Jonathan Davis's face on them. It would have been funnier if Limp Biscuit had it, uh, like designed rubber dog toys, because you know Limp Biscuit would be a more appropriate name. <laughs> Imagine they'll sell it all the same. Yeah, it'll all be on the web store, mate. Yeah, yeah. They're also they've also turned heavily Christian. Like they? they they round up yeah they round up people after the gig. I, I went to a gig in put them in a cage a few years ago. I think you see. No, no, no. They, they they say like, oh, you can you know come and meet uh, whoever you know. They, they pick one of the band members and they go, yeah, you can you can come and meet them. Um, and then they obviously like you meet them, you get photo and stuff like that. But then they also talk about you know how Jesus has saved their life and uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, that was a bit weird. <laughs> well, I'll say this: Maybe when I was a kid, fine, but... when I was a kid, I was raised Catholic, and yeah, you know, I used to have to go to, to church every Sunday. Um, and I remember like not enjoying it at all but uh, i always really liked when they had like the the holy holy bread of of jesus or whatever biscuits um and like that was like my highlight and i was like maybe i'll get two of them this time and so if if corn like backstage has just like boxes of jesus biscuits like shit man i'd sign up going to communion for a small biscuit for a small biscuit and a shot of undiluted ribena small things small things (laughs) I'm gonna have to drop off gents for approximately ten minutes. Cool. I have to take my son to football, but I will just mute and I will And for see the you those to the across the Atlantic, you mean soccer, don't you? We mean Associate Association football. Uh, it's still football, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So I guess um, I'll jump in next with the current interest. Um, so I've been doing the Stitchtown Patina Thunderdome again this year. Um, I tried to do it last year, but the shoes I bought were the wrong size and they didn't break in. And so I, I, I dropped out after like one month um, and sold my shoes. But this year I'm, I'm doing it again and I'm off to the off to the races this time. So I picked a pair of uh, Oak Street Bootmakers, their trench boot. Um, which is, no, sorry, the field boot, the field boot. It's like a one of their military-inspired boots. Um, it's a rough-out leather, so you know, the full-grain leather flipped inside out, so the rough side's on the outside. It's a, a bison leather, 
uh, and it's black and they're all kind of murdered out. So black soul, black hardware. Technically the welt is brown. That's kind of dyed black, but you know, it's close enough. Um, but yeah, I'm actually really digging it. So the, the boots I got are unstructured toe. So over time, even after a month, the toes already kind of starting to flatten out a bit and kind of get some nice kind of detail in it. Um, and the, um, the kind of rough out leather is actually getting some patina on it where there's folds and stuff like different shades of black and like some kind of different textures. So, uh, yeah, my hypothesis was that not many people were going to try and win a contest with black rough out boots. They'll be like shiny tan boots. So, um, it's interesting to kind of see how, how they fare. Uh, one other person's doing the same boot out of the, the whole entire contest. So there's only two of us wearing that shoe. Um, and it's cool. I've been spending more time on the stitch down, uh, patina Thunderdome discord. They've got a pretty cool community. It's like they're, they're on there talking everything from jeans to shoes, to boots, to cars, to animals, to baking, whatever. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's been pretty fun. You're know, kind of. <laughs> rambling about gene stuff with people on there. Uh, I, I primarily hang out in the, the genes channel. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm always a bit torn because like to enter their, their contest, you have to pay for their premium service, which is like, I think three us dollars a month. And that gets you access to the discord and it helps support their podcast. So like, it's pretty cool. I, you know, I'm like, Hey, that's, that's like 30 bucks basically over six months to do the contest give or take um just like 350 or four dollars something like that um so it's not too big of a deal to pay it and you know it's it's fun to kind of hang out and meet some people um and kind of you know learn a bit more about what it's like in the shoes side of the the obsession because i think though we love shoes folks in the stitch down world are like a whole different level with shoe obsession um i mean like it's crazy Although no one there seems near as crazy obsessed as the folks on the Alden Facebook group. That's a whole nother level of, of crazy obsession, <laughs> uh, especially for the indie boot, but that's a different topic. Um, but yeah, it's cool. Um, give them six months where one month in five months to go. Um, the one weird thing though, is like with the Indigo Invitational wearing a pair of jeans, it's like you wear your jeans every day you'll destroy them. That's fine because it's, you know, jeans are eventually going to go that way anyways. But with, with the stitch down, it's a bit weird because there's always been that kind of thing of like have an on day and an off day for a pair of shoes, right? So like you never wear the same, you need to own two pair of boots and never wear the same pair two days in a row is like the kind of the hypothesis. Um, but with this, it's like, you're almost kind of, you almost want to wear them every day. So I'm always kind of like, do I wear them again today or do I give them a day off? And um, it's a bit weird in that regard, trying to figure out like what's too much wear for a pair of boots. Um, but it's cool. It's really cool. And, um, yeah, there's all kinds of like crazy prizes and stuff. And I think, uh, the fact that it's only six months rather than a whole year is nice. Cause it's like, jump in, wear some shoes during, through, and it's also throughout the winter, which is like when you'd wear a pair of boots anyways. So get in, wear your boots. And at the end of it, you know, it's like, can go back when it's summertime to wearing, uh, something more more reasonable uh like like sneakers or something so yeah that's been fun what um what kind of brands do you see a lot of in stitch out down patina crazy amount of vibergs yeah. um i mean it, it, it's interesting because in that community in general obviously like there's like 
Viberg is still kind of the holy grail for their combination of like fits and the aesthetic and the leather choices. Like they seem to have that sweet spot. There's a good amount of like Pacific Northwest rugged boot brands. So like some whites, some Nicks, some uh, Steve, some Bob, some Billings, Franks. whatever, all those different <laughs> Franks, whatever all those brands are called. <laughs> whites and their, and their, uh, their, their grandchildren and nieces and nephews. <laughs> Um, so there's a good amount of that. There's some like kind of um, some of the hand sewn scenes. So like Rancourt, Quadi, uh, Yucatan. Um, and then there's also interestingly a lot of uh, the Indonesian shoemakers are really going mm -hmm. in a big way. So like Sagara. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the other ones. But the 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 ones that we've all kind of heard about online. Was that one of them? Yeah, Santalum, Santalum. Underhood. Underhood, yeah, they're on there a bit. Um, What's it, Nature? Te texture? Benzene. Uh, benzene, yeah. Benzene, yep. Uh, is Texture a brand, or are we asking about like leathers? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's a brand. Ah, uh, right. It's a brand I, as well. I don't think I've T seen any of that. Uh, a lot of grants. I think it's like spelled actually. like TXT. Mm. Um, so like the Chinese boot scene is a bit on there. So like a lot of Grant Stone. There's also that one. What's it like? X B X S Boots Factory. Um, who are obviously who I, I think are making some really dope boots. Um, seeing some of those on there. So yeah, it's kind of cool. You kind of got you've got the whole kind of global, global kind of enthusiast boot scene. Um, interestingly, uh, Ben, the guy who started Stitch Down, him and Ticho Blanco. Or like the two dudes, but uh, Ben's wearing a pair of Alden indie, uh, I think the 403, which is like the, the, the Harrison Ford indie boots, that kind of like orangish brown. Um, and it's really funny to see him wearing those for the contest at the same time that uh, Roseanneville basically <laughs> um, cool. caused a bit of a <laughs> shit, shit show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. How, how do you feel it um, in long term? Do you think it's just a very a, a tool to drive sales for boots? Mm. I, I would oh. say no, only in that I think that community is buying boots left and right anyway. Left anyway, and right anyways, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like some of the people I follow on Instagram, like like the guy I bought my uh my my Viberg Boondockers from, right? Like yeah. I bought them secondhand. Um, yeah, it seems like every quarter he's got a new pair of Vibergs getting dropped off at his house or like, um, <laughs> you know, uh, some of the people on there, they're just kind of constantly adding to their collection. Um, and my hypothesis is that because these are like true hardcore boot enthusiasts, you know, they're buying new, they're buying first quality top price i mean maybe they're hitting up the viberg sample sale in new york every year or something but i get the feeling that these are people who are like pretty happy dropping a thousand dollars on a pair of boots every three to six months um and like i myself have am a bit guilty of buying quite a bit of shoes but i'm always buying them secondhand on grailed or ebay usually or like when mr porter does their like 70 percent off deals so um, but that said, like that works for brands like Yucatan that a lot of shops stock, but like, all, you know, Vibergs mm -hmm. pretty much never go on sale. Um, yeah, I think the shoe world is a little bit different to the denim world, like denim world, like someone 
spends ages looking at the right type of jean and you buy, you know, your right fit and, you know, maybe you'll buy like another pair with a slightly different fabric, but shoe people, you know, you want a formal shoe and you've got like a formal shoe in suede and then you've got like a mock toed shoe and then you've got a casual shoe. So, you know, you could just keep buying shoes over and over again and never have any that kind of crossover in terms of like, you know, what they're doing in your wardrobe. So, you know, it just goes infinitely. I'd actually challenge that a bit. And I think anyone who gets obsessed in any given hobby goes down a rabbit hole, right? So like, I think when you get into raw denim, you're probably like that. You're like, I need my one pair of indigo. And the next you're like, uh, maybe I need a pair of black ones. And then you're like, uh, I need some indigo black. You and, know, then, and, then you start collecting, and then you start collecting wefts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Different but, cuts. <laughs> I've got my slim straights. I got my regular straights. If you would like to justify to your girlfriend, oh, I'm buying a new pair of jeans. And she goes, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a harder argument for jeans than it is for shoes. But shoes, you can go like, oh, well, you know, this, this is going to go with a slightly more casual outfit. You know, I haven't got anything that goes with chinos or anything like that. Oh, I haven't got like a suede pair. You know, they'll be a little bit better for summer. Or I haven't, you, you know, there, there's like many ways of arguing. You know, yeah. for shoes. Well, I think denim is a little bit harder. Um, as I think a, I think there's a lot of parallels. There's yeah, a lot of parallels yeah. between the two. Uh, mm. I think it, it seems like there's there's guys on you know, especially on on Insta who are just centered around their boots and it's just boot shots, you know, and their collection of boots. Um, whereas I think I think at some point there there was that with jeans, but I think it became a little bit more than just jeans as well. If you don't see just as many accounts about fades as you used to, I think I think that that's changed quite a bit. I'm I'm sure they're still probably out there, but they're not as uh, prominent, I don't think, as they used to be. Um, but to go back to my question again, do you think this kind of gives people a little bit of validation of buying new boots and wearing those boots in? Yeah, it's, sure. it's kind of I mean, a little bit of a purpose, I guess. I, I'm I, I'm not saying this is in in a kind of uh, you know in a derogatory kind of way. Is it just gives people a platform to you know to com to connect and to communicate with each other over this kind of thing? It's just another way to to do that. I think yes, in the sense that like you know the the different brands who are sponsors of Stitch Down like offer discounts and stuff, right? So like. I think Standard and Strange and Grant Stone and maybe a couple others sponsor their show. Yep. So like on their premium Discord, you get some light deals and stuff like permanent 10% off Grant Stone or something like that. So yep. I think in that regard, their listeners are getting a benefit or make it, it's easier for them to, to, to make a purchase. On the flip side, though, I don't think the Patina Thunderdome is like a financial spot. It's like... I don't think that they're like giving money to stitch down to like fund the contest rather just like donating yeah. prizes and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I guess it's not necessarily financially driven, but certainly it's set up to kind of like support your passion, I guess, in the same way that if you went to like a little toy soldier contest, you might be able to win some extra toy soldiers or get a good discount to uh, <laughs> add to your collection. <laughs> <laughs> Because all you need is that one box to start collecting, right? Yeah. And then that's all you need, honest. Yeah. You don't need any more. <laughs> Ricardo, would you ever do the uh, stitch down? Would I ever what? Huh? Uh, and enter into the stitch down, buy some boots. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just, no, I mean, too soon, obviously. But it's just like, um, I don't think I even have time to, to just... 
um, get into those things. Uh, I do, however, um, like to curate my my book collection, and I like to do my my own thing. But um, yeah, well, as long as patina goes, I mean, I actually like seeing the patina on boots a lot, much more than I actually like seeing fades on jeans. So I actually have a, a very unpopular opinion when it comes to um, raw denim and the, the the harsh honeycombs that you see on them. Oh, yeah, I can see you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not necessarily like the biggest fan of it. Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe because I grew up in the 80s and early 90s where you would just have like a very um, top to bottom natural or something well interestingly um the indigo invitational has i think two categories right where there's like high contrast fades or there's i think what they they call vintage fades right where you just kind of wear your jeans normally you wash them normally and i think for that contest you can kind of enter both ways and also for the patina thunderdome they have like a actual using your boots as work boots category that's different from using your boots as office boots category (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think for the Indigo Invitational, people complained. Oh, really? In 2020, 2020 was, yeah. They were like, well, you know, there's so many people who have, who are having these like more vintage fades. They were like, well, I'm never going to win. I don't have, I don't stand a chance. Cause like, you know, all these Southeast Asian blokes with uh, all the sweat going through their, uh, through their jeans and all the high fades they get. That's why they did the split. That's why there's now two different um, categories, which kind of makes sense because it's it's very different. Yeah, it's and I guess that opens it up to like the type of brands that do more vintage style jeans, like as well. warehouse and stuff. Yeah, like are still really fucking nice mm. things, but it, it's not never going to be that kind of super super high contrast because they're never starting off as starchy and not as thick on the fabric, you know. I still love that yep. picture I sent around to you guys of um, someone who had like sanded their fades in their jeans for mm-hmm. the Invitational, and, th- and their jeans basically looked like a Tron uh, costume for those who've uh, seen the movie Tron. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> so I guess uh, Ilya, what you been up to? Um, been reading or listening to a couple of audiobooks, um, and the one that stood out uh, recently was the um, W. David Marks follow-up from uh, Amatora, which is um, status and culture, and how our desires for social rank create taste, identity, art, fashion, and constant change. Um, I think delving into that topic was quite interesting. And um, um, yeah, just kind of looked at trends, looked at the reasons of why we are, you know, pursuing certain um, things to buy or things to do or, you know, uh, and I think that was quite a nice line of thinking and I kind of actually feeds into the topic today of downsizing um, quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, I, f- I found that fascinating. And um, there's a lot of um, it's kind of almost in a essay form, I guess, with with examples to back up his thinking. Some are obviously flawed um, and, you know, very directed into the into the goal that he's trying to, you know, uh to present but nonetheless it was a yeah interesting interesting listen um and yeah got quite a lot from it kind of the thinking behind um you know branding and um, buying and those kind of things um i really enjoyed that um 
So yeah, um, and the other one I've just started was um, Sandman Act Three on uh, Audible. So yeah, I really enjoyed the other two parts, and this one's been really good as well. Yeah, I'm listening to Act Two. I'm kind of a bit behind. Um, okay. yeah. Sandman's a weird one because like I, I love I love the world and I love the characters and all that stuff, but when it gets really violent, I'm always kind of like, uh, I feel a bit out of my comfort zone. So I, I don't really like horror and that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sometimes kind of like cringe a little bit, but, um, I don't know. Did, did, what did you think of the TV show? Did you watch it yet? Uh, I got about six, seven episodes in and I didn't really like it because they kind of shifted a lot of the, the characters, the story. I think there was a lot of, um, trying to fit in, um and you know change their original kind of thinking um behind the characters and i, I never like when they kind of you know decide that you know one character is now going to be a woman or now it's going to be you know this or that um i quite like when when books and you know original material are kind of treated in an in in a, in a you know an authentic way Obviously, sometimes it works and it's fine, uh, but I felt like there was a lot of changes and a lot of the changes were to, you know, probably had some kind of, I don't know, guidelines that were put on them. It felt like it felt like that. So, yeah, I, I didn't enjoy the, the show as much. Um, I, I would recommend the, the comic book and the audio book much more than, uh, than the show. I'll probably finish it at some point, but yeah, it's kind of left me more frustrated uh with the show maybe that's because of my you know my love of the uh the original um pieces well i know like the bbc for i mean i think this is like maybe netflix in partnership with the bbc or netflix alone i forget which but i know the bbc has like diversity targets for tv shows yeah so like yeah, yeah genders races identities yeah. there's like certain distributions they have to have yeah um so i know that that factors into a lot of british tv shows um but I will say this, the, the Corinthian, the person they picked to play that, like that was an awesome character, at least in my opinion. I thought he was really yeah. cool and yeah. like really evil. Um, I yeah, quite liked him. It was definitely a good good pick. I mean, there, there's there's some great um, actors in there and some, you know, some great performances. Um, and yeah, I, that's just my kind of, I guess, my biases with it. But um, yeah, I, I thought Sandman himself was quite, an, you know, a good choice. Um, as the lead, um, but yeah, I don't know if anyone else has has seen it and not read the comic, and they might f you know feel like it's actually really good or yeah, I, I kind of yeah. just enjoyed the show as a show. Yeah. I, I haven't you know had that much experience of Neil Gaiman. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. good watch. Uh, I watched it and then read the comic afterwards, and I thought the changes actually worked really well. Mm. Yeah, there you, there you go. You know, it just kind of depends on where you start off and how you feel, and you know, those those kind of things. I mean, um, one of the big issues is that they had to remove any of the, or they made the decision to remove any of the DC elements from it. Mm. And obviously, like in the comic, there is him mm. going to dealing with the fucking Martian Manhunter at one point, and David Thewlis's character in the book is is a super villain. Um. John think, Constantine as well. Yeah, I, and that might be my only tweet, but I totally get why they did it. And it's because Hellblazer is a special place in my heart. 
but I think it worked. It worked well enough. I don't want to take us on a sidetrack, but I, I, I'm, I've been watching the peripheral and I love it. And I'm reading the book in parallel, but I'm like 20% of the way or maybe 25% of the way through the book. Mm. And I swear there's maybe like five chapters so far that have actually taken place in the TV show. And it's like, I'm just wondering like, man, is this TV show or in the, or the, in the book, are they ever actually going to line up or not? But I don't I've know. heard there's a lot of heavy tweaks mm. and they've, they've, they've simplified bits or added characters in for various reasons. Cool. So, Kevin, what you been up to? <laughs> uh, what have I been up Yeah, question. Um, I've been uh, I've been traveling for the last four and a half months now already. Um, so we've uh, we've quit our jobs in Australia and uh, and left. Basically, we're moving back to uh, towards Europe. Um, we started off with a month in Indonesia, then went for a week to Singapore, just over a month in Malaysia one month in Thailand, and then on the October the 11th, when Japan opened up and our Thai visa ran out, we made the decision to uh, to fly over to Japan. So I'm currently uh, currently traveling Japan, which is absolutely awesome. Um, it's everything and beyond of what our expectations were. So um, yeah, I feel very, very lucky and grateful that we're, that we're able to come here as well, obviously. like. Because they uh, they've struggled with the, well not really struggle but they're just very strict with all the COVID stuff uh, over the last couple of years. So uh, and um, I mean being in Japan obviously as a as a denim head is uh, is uh, is awesome. Like literally anywhere you go, doesn't matter how big or small the city or town is, there's always a denim shop or a shop that sells something related to denim. So um it's not been very good for my wallet <laughs> um but you know we kind of like calculated that in a little bit so um if you had to give a percentage how much of that is like japanese denim culture versus like american vintage denim culture right um i, th I think like a, a lot of it comes from that american vintage culture in, in general right all that reproduction stuff and um, and especially in like the smaller towns, you kind of like the the stuff that they do sell in in those shops are more geared towards the for example, and um, seen all the warehouse sugarcane, um, yeah. So so yeah, definitely. Uh, the, like you see some of the brands like you know Pure Blue Japan or uh, Japan blue and stuff as well, but um, in the smaller towns, it's definitely more towards the vintage. Um, and there's like heaps of vintage shops everywhere as well. It's not just denim, denim shops, but also vintage stores, like literally everywhere. Um, and then when you get to the like bigger cities like Tokyo, we're in Osaka at the moment. Uh, obviously, yeah, Osaka being the the holy grail of of it all. Um, yeah, that's where you see all the other brands pop up a lot more as well. That's cool. Um, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Have you have you gone to uh, Kojima Jeans or sorry, um, is it called Kojima Jeans Street in in Okayama? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, not yet. No, no. We're we're in Osaka until Thursday. Uh, it's Sunday now. So four days in Osaka and 
we go to Okayama, stay there for a couple of days, and then one of those days we'll uh, we'll head down to uh, to Kojima Jane Street, uh, which is supposedly really good as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's been awesome, man. Like, and everyone who's into this stuff, I think you know, if you get a chance to uh, to come uh, come over here, like, definitely, definitely recommend it. Absolutely. Have you thought about like writing up a, a right like a blog like not a blog necessarily but like writing up kind of for each country you've been to top recommendations where you liked most places to stay that kind of thing um I, yes and no like initially we were like let's well, actually initially we were like oh maybe we should just start a youtube channel or something you know um see well, mainly like to you know show friends and family like what we're up to um but we just decided against it because there's a lot of it's a lot of work you know <laughs> it's uh it's like a full-time job enjoy the the travels as well so um yeah i don't know I, it's not it's not on the cards doing anything like that but you know you never know if if people do travel to a country that we've been i'm obviously more than happy to uh to give recommendations uh, or anything um yeah we do have a little like instagram channel uh instagram account sorry uh, where we just post like pictures and and videos on uh, but again that's just more for like friends and family to see uh, what we're up to and make everyone jealous yeah on the um on the the youtube notion i was listening to like a wargaming podcast and one of the one of the dudes in there was saying that him and his wife have separately made up their own podcast called like bedtime stories or some shit where they're, uh, they're basically they just sit around and talk to each other and in, in bed and record this and put this on a podcast and like i thought it was a joke when i'm like listening to the the the, the war game one i'm like oh wait this is actually like a real thing and people might actually listen to this and i was just kind of kind of surprised that uh yeah i guess uh, the uh, gamut of uh podcast material that you can find these days <laughs> oh there's everything is out there man anything you want um, and is um yeah, is no, Copenhagen been, still your destination after yeah that's kind of like the plan still uh we'll, we'll go back to the netherlands uh obviously to see uh see family uh because we haven't seen them four years when we're back so it's been a while uh, so we'll stay there for a couple of months um probably till like the end of summer next year um and then we'll uh We'll move over to to Copenhagen if if possible. Obviously, it all depends on like work and stuff like that as well. Um, but usually, that's not too hard finding a job, well, in our experience at least. It'd be super cool uh, to do like some kind of like podcast meet in denim days if 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 they have one in summer. I'm not sure when exactly they take place, but like I'm guessing getting a train up to Amsterdam would be pretty easy for you, and we could all fly out there or something. That'd be Thank cool. In the past, it's been October and April. I don't know if they'll do an April oh, right. or not, or not this year. But um, yeah. Mm. But there's always there's oh, also there's also Selvage Run, which is at the beginning of the year, and there's other 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 things that you know you could think about doing. Mm -hmm. Wow, I forgot about Selvage Run. Huh? Is this, it's still primarily like a big trade show, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. Cool. Huh. Do you need to do you need an invite to be able to go to those? I know Denim Days in Amsterdam, you just buy tickets, I think. But um, I think with like 
because I went one year and I was like worried that oh they might not let me in or something like that and it was it was fine nobody really asked anything it's fine. uh and yeah because I went with uh Yegor and uh Ilya of, of Twerd and Red Hills and I was like oh if anybody asks I'm like your uh marketing manager or something like that let me in <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah nobody I'm a asked. Bitch. <laughs> yeah I'm the little bitch basically yeah but nobody asked nobody asked <laughs> and um it was it was yeah, fine cool. to get in um I don't know whether that's changed or not you know but yeah mm. there's there's different points where we could uh think about meeting up any plans absolutely. coming to to London again Kevin oh absolutely yeah, yeah yeah um I mean like visiting we I don't think we'll move there no, anytime no, no, soon no. but no, no. uh yeah def definitely visiting absolutely um hopefully April May meet up I'll uh I'll be there in the flesh there we go so that'll be that'll be really exciting yeah yeah, I remember grabbing a pint when you pop back by. I think you guys had already been in Australia maybe a year at that point or something like that. And then you pop back by and we met up, was it Bethnal mm. Green area? Mm. Um, that or maybe it's your going away party. I forgot which of the two, but that, that was good times. No, that was, that was in 2019, indeed, when we came back for a few days. Yeah, yeah for yeah. a few weeks, but a few days in London, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that, was, that was a really good night. That was, that was a lot of fun. Very sloppy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the the head hurt very very much the next day. I remember that. I just sat at Brick Lane eating a bagel for like four hours and just did nothing. But hey, you know, sometimes you just got to do it. Cool. And uh, so, Ricky, yeah. you got any? Um, uh, oh, sorry, Kevin, go ahead. Yeah, I think one more thing, like being in Japan, like I, I don't know if if people know who, who are watching or listening, but I've got quite a few tattoos as well. Um, so obviously being in Japan, Japanese tattoo style is quite famous. Um, so I had a tattoo done the other day as well. So um, nice. yeah, good. Um, show you. I don't know if you oh, can see nice, that. Very nice. Yeah. Is that done it's with like, like a, the old school stick, or is it the modern way of doing yep. it? No, so he did the outline with a machine and then all of the shading with uh, Tibori, they call it, which is indeed like a like a bamboo stick that he just hits into your arm, uh, which Whoa. is pretty cool. Because I, when I when I contacted him, I wasn't sure if he would he would do that on smaller tattoos. Um, but he said straight away, like, yeah, man, I can absolutely do that uh, for you. So it's really cool. Like it was at his house as well. So he, he has a, a shop in Osaka, um, but he does two or three days i think a week he he lives in kyoto and um, so two or three days he uh he does a uh, tattooing in his uh, in his house it's really cool and it's like traditional like japanese tatami room it's like the the mats on the floor um so yeah really cool lighter so um yeah i got got one done that was on thursday and i'm getting another one done tomorrow Nice. tomorrow evening so getting a few getting a few tats in as well whilst we're here is it more or less painful doing the the stick thing <clears throat> certain certain moments i was like oh this is way less painful uh, but then certain parts were uh, were more painful so it's a, it's a bit of a bit of a balance you know some certain parts are, are hurting more others are are fine i don't know what it is 
there's different kind of shading. So certain parts are really black. So that must have been like the painful, painful parts. Um, it's just that it goes a little bit slower, mm. right? It's, it's still like a needle that goes in and out of your arm. So it's kind of like the same concept. It's just a little bit slower. Oh, yeah. One frontier I'll never cross. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everyone, for sure. I'd run away screaming the second I they turn the needle on. <laughs> oh, that's a great, a great, great experience, Kevin. Uh, something I didn't yeah, get a chance yeah. to do, but I'd love to at some point. Mm. Yeah, I do recommend. It's, it's, yeah, it's just also because there's no sound. You know, normally you sit there and it's like, it's like yeah. this is just like no sound. There was some, you had some jazz playing, which is awesome. So it's like really relaxing and. Yeah, it was a really good experience. Absolutely. Man, crazy. I was just thinking about it. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also once you get one, you know, some people go like, oh, I'll get a small one. Uh, four years later, the whole body is covered. You know, I'll be careful with that. Just like raw <laughs> denim jeans or boots. Exactly. <laughs> it all starts with one. Exactly. Right, cool. And, uh, Ricky, you've got any uh, current interest you want to share? Um, I'm not sure if they're current. It's kind of more like a, and like all all time interests, pretty much. Um, cool. Which I've been um, catching up on lately because one of the things is stand up comedy. Um, yeah, and I guess it's because of how uh, the restrictions on flying in and out of the US are have eased up now that we're getting a lot of the American uh, comedians coming over. So j just in the like, past two or three months, and I watched all pretty much all the big names like from Chappelle and Chris Rock to uh, Doug Stanhope to um, uh, Joe Rogan. And yeah, it, w it was awesome. And, and Louis C.K. as well. Um, so it would, all all great shows no, nothing to say about that though they were like amazing kind of gems um yeah and la even last night i watched um uh neil brenner's uh special which is called uh blocks it's on netflix i highly advise anyone um to watch that that because there's this very 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 dark underlining across the whole special um which is pretty much him battling with his uh mental health um and it's, it's just beautifully beautifully written and and executed it's just like it's written by him performed by him obviously so it's 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 just really really nice to see um yeah and kind of like another interest would say like podcasts um helps me get to work <laughs> Um, I have a pretty long commute every morning, so um, yeah, podcasts are always on the headphones. Um, lately, I've been very heavily into uh, a podcast called um, The Real Dictators, um, which pretty much covers pretty much all the, you know, the big, big names in, in history, um, you know, from Mao Zedong all the way from Hitler, Stalin, big, big guys. Um, so and it's it's really really fascinating to listen to. So it, it's it's very well uh, documented because they um, you have the narrator who pretty much 
um, is going throughout the podcast, um, you know, pretty much telling this story, but at the same time, whenever facts need to be um, uh, chipped in, he he calls uh, historian historians to to um, give their share uh, of the of of what happened, and it's really really cool. So you have say in just one episode, you probably have like three or four different historians talk about uh, what happened to, uh, you know, uh, Papa Doc, for example, which was uh, not the nicest man in 80. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's I definitely recommend that because that was really, really, really nice. Um, yeah, and music as well. Um, I know Andy, he spoke before, he went to see a couple of uh, heavy hitters <laughs> from back in the day. We spoke about it a little bit. Um, I didn't get the chance to to uh, see those bands, but um, I did watch a few a few old timers. Sepultura last week, uh, which is for anyone who doesn't know, it's um, a heavy band from Brazil. Um, yeah, it's it, it was it's, I it, I was completely floored how you know they're well into their fifties and. They make you feel like you're 15 again, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, yeah, but it was great experience down at the Electric in Houston. Um, yeah, I also watched a couple of weeks ago Mark Giuliano's Quartet. Uh, he's a renowned uh, drummer, uh, jazz drummer specifically. He played with everyone from recorded David Bowie's last album. Um, he has this quartet. He's been on tour with St. Vincent as well, so it was just amazing musician. And saw him at the Jazz Cafe in London, um, Camden specifically, and that was um, that's specifically because I played the drums as well. So <laughs> that's it, you know standing right behind Watch him. Tips and tricks. Yeah. Oh man, it's 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 the second time I see him live. Um, the first time was at um, Ronnie Scott's, and I was you know, sitting kind of behind him, like um, up in one of the, uh, on the tables uh, at Ronnie Scott's. But this time I was uh, standing behind him closer to the stage, like pretty much in uh, an arm's length almost from him, which is, it's just, it's just mind blowing. Seeing him do everything from, from a drummer's perspective, you're just like in awe the whole time. Really cool. We ever tempted to like grab a pencil and like add in a little snare or something while he's playing? <laughs> you know, like sometimes, um, I mean, I remember I when I got there, it was it was funny because um, the first part. Um, so for anyone who doesn't uh, know the, the jazz cafe in London, it's you have like the the the, the venue itself. You have a dining uh, space upstairs. Uh, where there's a balcony where you can see the stage down um, uh, and then around the stage everyone's just standing and it's like super free super casual environment and and when I got there um, the 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 section that was pretty much um, you know just like full of people was behind the drum kit Uh, and I'm and I just got there and I'm like okay so this is drummer's lane and everyone was like yep (laughs) like everyone's like it was just drummers around me and I'm like yep everyone was there to see to see you know the like patting their legs like (laughs) yeah yeah it was it it was just it was just crazy because then you know as you're watching you would just hear oohs and ahs the whole time it's like oh 
yeah, it was just, you know, really, uh, everyone was super hyped as well because his quartet is really, really special. They, it's, it's full on, you know, um, for people who are into jazz, um, he has a very, uh, I, I would say he's, um, it's a very modern approach with traditional, um, with a traditional setting. So it's like uh, piano, um, upright bass, uh, and uh, sax. So, and himself obviously on the drums. Um, but he has a very like modern approach with, you know, the traditional uh, instruments and very rhythm oriented as you would expect from a drum. So yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. yeah, jazz is one of these things where like, the more I hear of it, the more I love it. Like when I pick it up, uh, you know, stuff that um, Giles Peterson will play in his show or um, stuff like that. But yeah, I just like, it's so hard to know where to begin and like how to like find your path. Cause I know like the theoretical sound I'd like to hear, but yeah, it's such a huge space of music. That's like, how do I find jazz that sounds like X and like, who's making that and who's good. And it's, um, Yeah. But, but when, when I go on Spotify and just kind of like browse around for stuff, sometimes I find something really interesting and I'm like, yes, this is great. Also kind of like when it kind of crosses over a bit into hip hop. What um, kind of stuff do you like, David? Very, I like really improvisational stuff. Very okay. kind of oh, wow. weird, kind of like, ab, not, not abstract, but like, you know, kind of impressionistic sort of just improvisational stuff. Okay. So more freeform kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um... I also like the kind of stuff that crosses over into the sort of hip hop kind of beat space a bit. Um, and then I guess stuff that also kind of gets closer to like the minimalist composers. So like the Steve Reich, the Terry Riley, all that kind of sound, like the really pared down stripped back stuff. That's very robotic. That's kind of interesting, but yeah, it's, it, 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 it jazz is this weird thing where there's like some kind of like secret sauce that like, you're like, yes, this is great. But it's so hard to know how to find what that recipe is. But uh, I don't know. I'm have to pick your brain more, Ricky, for uh, recommendations. Sure. I would say, like, for anyone who who wants to get into jazz or for some reason has never explored jazz to the fullest, I would say, like, <laughs> trying to compare it with with raw denim. Start, you know, start easy and and start from the, from the beginning. You know. Um, Probably my my first pair of, of raw denim were Levi's, and you know start with the history. Um, so maybe even if you're starting to get into jazz, maybe start with blues, uh, with the old timers. You know, like go from Lead Belly and, um, and work your way up. Um, this is obviously if you want to get heavily into jazz. If not, just go on any random playlist on Spotify where they give you all the classics. Yeah, I think it's it's a really, really, really cool journey to, to do with any genre, to be honest. Like if you're getting into rock and, and metal for that for that reason, right? like you just don't jump straight into Meshuga. Maybe start with, I don't know, you know, Sabbath and work your way up. <laughs> so it's like and it, because I find it's more interesting, maybe because I'm, I really like history a lot and um, I find it more interesting where the, when there's a story behind it. So. If you just give me what's the latest, you know, on whatever genre, what, whatever is is cool per se, uh, at the moment, I'm I 
I'll listen to it for sure. But then I, I want to know where it comes from. And I always like to know how things work and how things came to fruition. So that's for sure. I would say start from, from the beginning if, if you really want to invest time in it. Did you catch that film? Uh, something, some, someone, someone's bottom is like a like a jazz history movie on Netflix a couple years ago. What was this one? <laughs> oh, oh man, man. I was gonna say <laughs> something, something, foothole. <laughs> no, seriously, it was. Uh, oh man, what was it called? It was like an improvise all up in your butt. Uh, oh yeah, here we go. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. 2020 film. Oh, is that the one with um, Chadwick Boseman? Is that the yeah, last, yeah. last performance he did? Yeah, and apparently it's based on actual like uh, jazz history. I think from Chicago. Uh, like like based on a true story. Um, really cool film. Like that that film was awesome. Um, I get. I guess there's a lot of historical historical facts and and sort of true stories that went into the the film script, and it was kind of filmed almost more like a theater production than like a like a like a proper movie so it felt like you're watching like a really fancy play about uh jazz music history i'll google black bombs later <laughs> <laughs> it is not nc-17 <laughs> Uh, so, m- moving into uh, Tom's uh, current interests. Black <laughs> 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 <Life works. laughs> Uh Yeah, cool. What have I been up to? Um, I went to see Manchester Orchestra the other month. Um, really, really good band. Um, kind of rocky, and they have like, like some more mellower songs, some heavier songs. Um, but went to Kentish Town, and I was like, oh, no standing tickets, so I'll get seat in. Their seats are just like wooden benches with no backrests. Oh, is this sorry, Kentish Town for Kentish Town, yeah. Yeah. It's it a was... great venue, but if you if you're up 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 uh, upstairs, yeah, it's it was it so be, uncomfortable yeah, that like yeah. by about halfway I'm like, I'm really enjoying the music, but I just want to leave. Like it was that bad. Like I was so uncomfortable, like you're leaning forward and you're like leaning back and the seats are just wooden, so it was just an absolute fucking nightmare. Um so kind of tarnished my experience of seeing Manchester Orchestra, which was a shame. Um because they're really good, like really big band, you know, like really big sound. Um so yeah, that that was that was a bit disappointing. Never going to Kentish Town again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll stick to like Brixton or wherever. Um yeah, and then been working on United Overalls. So we have our second style out soon. Yeah. <laughs> and getting that cinch on. Um and those suspender buttons going for like that 1933 kind of style Levi's. Um straight cut. Uh, I think the patterns are being cut at the moment earlier. <laughs> yes, yes. Nice, nice. Um going into production any any days, you know, any day now. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully get them before Christmas, um, which would be nice. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, been been oh. busy at work. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been I've been an avid listener of you guys, and I know that Tom every once in a while uh, promotes United Overalls really on the on this, but uh, I'll do it for you this time, buddy. Um, because I <laughs> I've seen it on Instagram and for anyone who's listening for sure pop on Instagram to Tom's page United Overalls 
and they're really cool. Congrats on that because they're they're really they look really cool. I love that that cinch on the back as well. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they uh, they are made and uh, and produced and uh, yeah, I'll like I said, I'll try and uh, capture some uh, some moments for you as well. Yeah, Ellie will be there in the trenches watching yeah. it stitch by stitch. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite an interesting one on this one because kind of the the first style I made was very much just like a five pocket. There's not much really you can do to um, you know reinvent the five pocket. Obviously, we've got our kind of like little stitching details, which I kind of made sure you know didn't directly copy something that you know I found in a book, like jeans of the old west or something like that. But you know could look like it was something from jeans of the old west, um, and that was quite a hard then designing a cinch back style unique enough that yes it looks new but it also looks old if that kind of makes sense um so i remember do you know what i i feel like i jotted down the idea of it while recording one of these podcasts i'm sure like i had like a pen and paper and i was just sitting there kind of like playing around i was like huh that that looks nice. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and just had it like jotted down on a piece of paper, like on my desk for ages. Um, and then like you know, slipped it into a notebook. And then you know, I was just drawing up the whole design. I was like, oh crap! I I drew something somewhere. It's it's in my house. Let me go find it. <laughs> I had to like you know rummage around my house to find this like one slip of paper with this like little tiny sketch of like a, a cinch back on. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting process designing those. And denim wise, are you using the same uh, Hewitt denims you've used before, or like different fabric, or? Yeah, same Hewitt. You know, we want to kind of keep championing, um, you know, the English main and English woven selvage denim. It's you know really really nice. It fades incredibly. I've got like an old pair of mine sitting here. I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Nice. Is that the hundred percent cotton, or is that the cotton wool? Yeah, hundred percent cotton. Um, I might take a picture of them later. And, and show them because there's some really cracking fades and and rips on my knees and stuff so you know the, the denim can you know compare to some of the japanese stuff which is nice did you have to use sandpaper to get those uh honeycombs or are those natural <laughs> no no, no it's, it's all natural i mean like, I've done, like <laughs> who knows what i've done in them no, I'm kidding, no, i've basically just been walking up and down the stairs all the time in them <laughs> well no like, i wore them like kind of non-stop for about a year and a half year and three quarters um but like what really like kicked them off was um going camping and just sleeping with them in a sleeping bag because it's just you're just like in a hot sweaty compartment with them. <laughs> i was like yeah, here comes the yeah. You know, just in that sleeping bag but <laughs> so it's basically like riding the tube but for eight hours <laughs> yeah uh, and it was like October, November, so it was pretty chilly outside. <laughs> and and you washed them after that, didn't you? Right? Right, right, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> what do you have against Must bacteria, Ilya? <laughs> he just stuck them in the freezer. <laughs> All the cool kids. Like I'm, telling you, I'm telling you now, you, you've heard it here first. The next level of shit is to uh, take your jeans and you go on Amazon shit and you buy. No, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now you buy two cat scratching posts and you put your jeans upside down <laughs> on the cat scratching posts. And your cat's just. <laughs> 
Cat fades. I'm working on cat fades. Yeah. Cat pool fades. They love it, man. They're up there every day. Roni in particular, one of my black one of my black cats. He's just like, oh. Is, is that is that what you do? <laughs> I was gonna say, is that what you do for your uh, patina Thunderdome as well? Yeah, yeah actually, you just it's like you put the boots on the top upside down yeah. as well, yeah. and you know, it's so just like hang patina. from the hang from the toe box to get that toe curl. <laughs> Sink their claws into that vibram foam. <laughs> Bored that four or three twos. <laughs> that must be good for scratching. <laughs> All right, cool. I guess um I guess based upon time, maybe let's quickly uh jump over to news and get right into our discussion topic. Um so on the news, I'll keep it kind of brief just because uh, we you know we've talked about this a bit before on Instagram, but uh everybody knows uh snake oil provisions. Uh Ben Newhouse, the owner, is is one of the coolest dudes in the industry. And ever since he started putting, you know, videos back on YouTube back in the day, uh, showing products and showing his shop, he's been kind of a, a favorite, um, favorite person in the, in the, in the denim community and uh, seeing his brand develop. And it's not just a shop. It really is like a brand. It's an identity that he's got uh, develop and change over time and grow has been really cool. And obviously from a customer service standpoint, he's an awesome dude to, to work with and order from. But uh Recently, he got into uh, an accident on his motorcycle, uh, not his fault, so someone else's fault, um, and has had a, a life-changing injury as a result of it. Um, on the positive side, you know, he, he's he's back home. I think as of the past couple of days, with his with his partner Miranda, and his cats, um, getting some maybe he's getting some cat fades on his jeans. But uh, you know, I think he's um, incurred quite a lot of uh, financial cost as a result of his injury, um, and both moral support on social media and also financial support. You know, he needs, he needs help um, to get back to, to normal as best he can do. So I uh, just want to quickly mention that um, there is a, a page on GoFundMe um, to, to help uh, cover his medical cost and, and, and help him uh, get back to a more normal life. So if anyone's got any, any cash whatsoever lying around this holiday season, either um, if you go to snake oil provisions website, he's got like a, a section of stuff that other brands have donated that I think is called benefits Ben, where if you buy something from that category, like 100% of the money goes into his medical fund uh, or on the GoFundMe, which is um, if you Google Ben Newhouse snake oil provisions medical, um, folks are donating money there to try and help him get back to, to normalcy. So um, yeah, I just want to send him our, our best wishes uh, from the podcast and hope he has a okay recovery and that he gets the um, financial support he needs to um, to, to get back to, to uh, a good life. So uh, best wishes, Ben. Hope you get better. And um, on that note, let's talk uh, Let's talk discussion. So discussion topic for this week um, is around, I guess you could say, you know, downsizing your collection, letting stuff go, calling your, your collection, whatever you want to call it, but basically just about the fact that, you know, we're, we're collecting boots, we're collecting jeans, we're not wearing them anymore. Lifestyle changes, fashion style changes, uh, our, our bellies and and whatnot change, and <laughs> you know, ver for various reasons, we've we've got to downsize. And so I thought it'd be fun to talk a bit about that. So maybe to kick it off, let's uh, start with what folks have let go of this year. Um, anybody have any uh, interesting uh, freeing of the jeans or boots or other? 
wise. And see Ricardo nodding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. eBay I can, sold. Yeah, I can start at that actually. Um, yeah, I this year is probably uh, the the year where I'm where I'm most. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking up because I'm literally looking at my rack of clothes here next to me. Um, and but for sure, this year has been the year where I've let go the most, mainly because. Um, I don't know if this is possible, but I'm trying to be a minimalist in, <laughs> as, at the same time as you're, you know, it's so like interested in in, in denim goods and boots and, and other goods in, in general. But um, it's hard, man. It's hard. I put a ton of things up on on eBay that, um, which I guess is the the good thing when you invest in. in uh, and these clothes, they always have, you know, the potential to be resold and passed on. Um, we're talking about, you know, well-made clothes. So, um, sure, you, and even, like, if you're picking it up from eBay or whatever other uh, website um, or store, to, for that matter, sure, it's it's well worth your while. Um, but, yeah, I and I still have a couple of things to let go of. Um, I've been... Uh, letting go of a lot of these because I wanted again to downsize and just have fewer better goods uh, more and more uh, I guess I think to be honest one of the main culprits of, of this is Instagram funny enough it's, it's kind of like I think I told this um, I mentioned this to Ilya some, uh, a while ago it's like the more I see people's feeds which are always cool to, to, to look at and to see what people um, getting these days uh, but the more I see them it, I feel like I have to tone it down <laughs> you know I have to like bring it back to basics and you know a pair of jeans a white t-shirt and boots and a jacket is suffices um, you know at the end of the day I think I think that is what's gonna eventually um, you know be there 10 years from now 20 years from now it's the, the minimal you know the, the simple things I, I would say I do have my flannels. I do have a couple of denim shirts as well, and and some jeans, you know, but black and blue. Um, and then you know you have to have your odd color like egg crew. And then, um, but I mean, yeah, I try. I try to tone it down now more and more. Um, at the end of the day, we really don't need it. I, I would say like if you're not using any piece of clothes within two months, I would say. Maybe even less. Maybe just let go of it. There's no point in. in it's nice to look at. <laughs> There's always, you know, some cool pieces where you look at it and you go like, oh, okay. But you know, um, if, especially if you live in a pretty, you know, all year round type climate, like London, it can get cold, but it's not crazy cold like in the states. Or, or um, and weather can be a bit humid as well in the in, in the summer. It can be a bit uh that but that that will probably be a wednesday you know what i mean so it's it's not it's not that bad um so yeah i would say if you're if you're not using whatever piece of clothing probably two months maybe max just yeah maybe let go of it and move it, move on from it it's not that big of a deal i've i've had issues with Boots before where I was like, oh, I really like them, but I'm not using them. 
and if they just sit there and you then think what's the point but once you 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 know send it away or you sell them or something um it actually feels good <laughs> because you know you don't you're not there bugging you anymore so yeah I guess if you wanted to go a bit more extreme and like sell off all your jackets and stuff, you can just use that indigo Ferro blanket when you go around town, like a like a <laughs> like a in place of the jackets you know, on the tube in your blanket, going to get your coffee in a blanket. You know, there you go. For for people who, who are just listening, yeah, there's a a wool one of those 100% wool um, blankets from Indigo Ferro that are made in Norway behind me, and uh, I use it as a backdrop. Uh, because my the walls in my room are very hospital-like almost. It's like, <laughs> yeah, not pleasant to look at. So I use it as a as backdrop. I think it's kind of like a piece of art, to be honest. Um, it's scary. Just yeah, two dollars. Staring. Mm, they are. I love that yeah. blanket. It's so cool. Yeah. So um, it's uh, designed by uh, Alt Dax. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm, yeah, and he has really cool stuff. I, he's super into, um, I would say, like mystical creatures from around the world, like from, um, um, you know, like old folks tales and stuff like that. So I know he has a couple of uh, Japanese related ones as well. This one specifically is, um, yeah, it's not Aztec, it's, it's the... Uh, Mayan, so Incan? No, no, no. So it's before the Aztecs. Uh, I, I forget now. But uh, yeah, it's really that. It's kind of like a deity of sorts um, from that, that time. Um, mm. But yeah, going back to the to the goods part, it's just like the. I, I'm still convinced the fewer the better. Uh, as long, you know, if you're curating your 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 um, your boots and and your denim. I think you you kind of look after them more in a sense. You know, the fewer you have, um, it's. Uh, I think yeah, you just you grow more attached to it. Maybe. Kevin, Kevin, how's it been traveling with less things? Hmm. Um, it's been interesting, <laughs> especially here in Japan. Like in in the Southeast Asian countries, like yeah, you just wear a t-shirt and uh, and shorts. Um, and you don't really need much more. Um, but then when we came to Japan, it was, yeah, it was, it was just, obviously it's October, it's November now, so it was definitely colder. Um, and actually, like when and this, I mean, when, I don't know if any of you ever have, but like if you move, move, obviously, David, you have, but like if you move abroad, especially like far away, you tend to move away uh, in general. Um, so that's what we did when we when we left Sydney. Um, you know, old T-shirts and old shirts and stuff like that that you know I wasn't really wearing anymore. Um, all of my suits that I used to wear in London for work that didn't fit anymore, <laughs> uh, they're all gone. You know, so so there's all of that stuff. Um, but we've we've actually donated heaps. Yeah, like I don't know how much, like probably like 10 big bags of, of clothes and, and, and other sorts of goods that we were just laying around the house. Like you, you, you know, start collecting things and then you open a cupboard and you go, Oh, what's this? <laughs> I haven't seen this in years. Um, so that's always a good thing about moving, moving abroad. Cause yeah, it's just like cleaning up uh, all of your, uh, your old stuff that you, uh, that you don't need anymore. 
Um, but it's it's really interesting. They're like living out of a backpack because you realize that you don't actually need that much. Um, here in Japan, it's like a good pair of boots or something because all I have with me is my my runners, my Nike uh, runners. Um, you know, so they, especially if it rains a little bit, you know, they get get a bit wet, but you get wet feet. But you know, you just deal with it. Just have to um, boots. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought about it a few times, but it's like, nah, um, it's also like it's not going to fit in my backpack anymore. So <laughs> uh, that's that's the one advantage that I have. It's like, well, not advantage, but like good thing. It's like I want to buy so much stuff, but I just know it doesn't fit in my bag. So I can't. <laughs> you have um, to start buying bags. Cause... Yeah, you can, you can buy a bag. I'm just picturing you carrying yeah. these like lo- loads of suitcases around, just like full of like, yeah. different goods and stuff. That's Rick's and Jack in one bag. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting colder. If you really want to go, I heritage, need another bag. If you want to go heritage, you can get one of those old uh, red flyer wagons from back in the day. I assume they had those outside of America. <laughs> those little red wagons that kids had, and you just kind of line a couple of those suckers up. Mm. The jeans in the back. Yeah. No, there's definitely there's definitely some stuff that will um, that will send back because um, we when we left Thailand, we took a lot of our summer stuff like like swim shorts, and um, I got a couple of linen trousers with me as well. Uh, Southeast, all that stuff we've left behind in in Bangkok at, at the at the airport in luggage storage, uh, just to free up some space in in the back to uh, to be able to buy some at least something here in Japan. So we'll definitely uh, definitely have to send some stuff back before we head back to Thailand. But um, and then I'll see it again in I don't know half a year, five months. Hopefully it'll still fit. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Yeah, I remember when I moved to France, I had to like ship all my stuff from from California. And it. What's mm, up, sir? Did you did did you get rid of a lot of stuff as well before you before you did or? Yeah, yeah, I had a huge huge like just like sold almost anything that I didn't need to have, um, and like shipped all mm. my stuff away, and it you know was gone for three four months while I crossed the Atlantic, and then it was really weird when I when it got to France, I got my stuff again. I was like, shit, man, do I actually like need any of this stuff? But I was kind <laughs> yeah, of stuck with it. Well. <laughs> and then you're in a country where people don't, where English isn't the, the primary language. So like selling stuff was really hard. Um, but yeah, I think the thing I struggle with now is like, whenever I get into something, I really get into it. And so then like, what's like, oh yeah, I'll buy one of these to kind of like get into this hobby. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, I'll buy 10 of these and then a hundred of these, like, in the case of like Warhammer hmm. soldiers or uh, like, you know, comics. And, and I've got this weird thing where like, as life has progressed, some hobbies have like increased and other hobbies decreased, right? I used to be really big into board gaming, but like, I don't have a board game group here uh, where I live now. And so it's like, maybe I should just sell off all my board games. And, but it's like the downside of that is that's being replaced by Warhammer soldiers. So it's like, I'm not really doing a good job of like <laughs> simply downsizing. It's always like, letting one thing go for another yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's what i do all the time it's, it's like hey yeah let's get into this and oh now that needs to take up a box above the uh, uh oh i was about to say the wardrobe is fine <laughs> can't see it and your factory floor just, oh, uh, yeah <laughs> yeah just there on the, um 
and, and yeah, just that the hobbies just increase, increase. I mean, like, it's like house plants, and they're all over the house, and mm-hmm. the Warhammer is a whole table next to me, next to the computer. Um, I think we thing. just lost Elia. Yeah. yeah. My, uh... <laughs> but going... <laughs> no, no, he's back. <laughs> oh, oh, so I get it. <laughs> Warhammer joke. Um... But yeah, I mean, of, oh, I'll move back to the clothing. Um, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for buying something just because I like a particular detail, and I'm like, yeah, yeah no, I'll definitely need that shirt later because when I then come to make a version of that shirt, <laughs> when I'm, I'm gonna like, copy the design and do plagiarism. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother. Like, There's no such thing. There's no such thing. That's a whole other notion of letting it go. Like, could could you ever see yourself uh, dismantling a vintage garment to be able to pattern it better, or do you like have to like keep it whole and just get the pattern off of it as close as you can? Yeah, no, I I wouldn't. I'm not one of these. I can take it apart because like I also like wearing the stuff. So it, it it would be like a shirt with a particular detail. I'm like, cool, yeah, no, I'd, I'd definitely wear that shirt. You know, I can see me wearing that. And then the excuse is, I'm going to copy the design eventually. <laughs> so <Yeah>. that's how <laughs> wardrobe for longer than it probably should. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that I buy on eBay that I'll put like a single bid in as a start bid and then win it. And I'm like, I didn't really need that shirt. <laughs> but I've won it. Yeah. <laughs> for a lot cheaper than I would have bought it for. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. Oh, dang it. I bought it for a cheap price. Um, stuff like that is usually the stuff that will come in. And then later I'll look at it and I'm like, mm, yeah, okay, maybe that can go. Um, but I find myself more and more when I actually do want to buy something full price, it will be like a basic that I want a nice version of. So at the moment, I kind of want like a grey crew sweat from like Warehouse or Buzz or someone like that. Um, just so I've got like, you know, kind of one standard nice quality piece that I can wear with a nice denim jacket or you know anything that kind mm. of snap um and then obviously jeans I'm pretty much sorted for <laughs> <laughs> I got tons of them. um what <laughs> have I not told you <laughs> I've almost gotten to the point where like I can't bring myself to pay full price for anything anymore that's like I'll happily wait three months six months even a year to get a deal on something yeah yeah but, but like 90 percent of the time i'm that i'm like looking at sales and but then occasionally i'm like oh, and i want like a nice sweat and i want to invest you know a, a decent amount of money you know to get one that i'm definitely like yes i will keep that you know for 40 50 years as long as it doesn't get holes you know <laughs> um you know <laughs> i've got denim jackets like that that i know that i'll keep forever um and a couple of my shirts that i'm like yes i love this shirt um you know i can see myself wearing it forever because it's it's just a bit of me um but yeah then there's stuff that you know i look at and i'm like yes i wear it just because it's you know a filler during the week you know something you know when my nice shirts are all in the wash or need ironed um <laughs> i mean at one point you know i had about eight or nine pairs of Byron Williams boots. So that was a time where I was like, oh, I should probably maybe sell some of these. Um, and they do well on eBay, like at least 200 quid. Um, you know, they're really popular in the UK. Um, I got them all for free when I used to work for them. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a maximum profit. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, like I had like three brown ones, two black ones. And I was like, yeah, don't, don't need that many. Um, don't need that. 
No, but now I've got like, I think two, so like one in like the rum leather, which is really nice, and one in the thicker Vesta leather um, as kind of like my two kick around RM Williams. Um, and then I've got my Thoroughgoods, got my Red Wings, my Moctos, and my Iron Rangers. So like each one kind of fits a particular like style. Um, so I feel like, you know, like boots, I'm pretty like well rounded down, if that kind of makes sense. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I go through phases. Like I, there'll usually be a point in the year where I do like a spring clean and I just like pull a load of stuff out and it's all going on eBay, not wearing it anymore. Um, and <laughs> the rest of the year I'll, I'll regather. <laughs> <laughs> Regroup. <laughs> yeah. I'll stock up for winter, like a little hoarder. <laughs> Purge, then splurge. Mm. Yeah, and that's what I did. Mm. <laughs> what about yes. you, Andy? Uh, I've sold a fair few things, but most of it's because they don't fit anymore. Because um, of your gains. <laughs> my sick, my sick small <laughs> gains, blah. <laughs> um, from, from my 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 now uh, over days of, uh, of 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 lifting. Yeah, um, yeah. So so a few bits and bobs, and. It's that point where you realise, you know, you've got duplicates of the same thing. So, you know, like uh, there was a point when I was like, I've got, why have I got two pairs of boots that are very similar in design and are exactly the same colour? So that was like my Wolverine Thousand Miles and my Red Wing Iron Rangers. Bar like the fact that one's got a toe cap, they're pretty much, they're very similar one slightly sleeker that's you know very minimal difference so yeah they they went um and then i replaced them with a pair of whites so that was i should have just sold one pair but uh yeah um <laughs> it's things like that it's it's yeah it's it's cycling out say two items and then maybe getting one in to replace so i sold a couple of chambray shirts and ended up picking up the um papa nui uh one because mm kind of fills the fills that gap um and it's a better fit so you know i got rid of my buzz shirt because it, it was a little bit tight especially with that the the button problem that they're, they're kind of famous for having mm. yeah. a, a slipping button um yeah so it's just been things like that it's just been it, it's getting rid of the items that either don't fit or you have too many duplicates of uh and then maybe replacing them with a single item that does the same job uh, i've got rid of like the I think most of my like band t-shirts I think I've got a couple hanging around still um I bought one at Damnation but that's purely because I wanted a new gym t-shirt because all my gym want t-shirts are falling apart so yeah. you know there you go it's a it's an easy way of replacing instead of spe- spending like 40 quid on some Under Armour technical wear or something I'll spend 20 quid on a Converge t-shirt that'll last exactly the amount of time same time um yeah. But like the memory i've got loads of band t-shirts from you know, yeah. weeks and i can look through my and i'll be like oh yeah no, i remember when i went to see you know Flat yeah. camden and stuff like that yeah it, it's been slowly then but there unfortunately a lot of band t-shirts unless it's something you know it, it's one of those bands that has a really kind of intense fandom you can't really sell them on ebay um i find they, they don't really go for anything i mean if you had like some really obscure band so uh say for example i don't know if i had like a a combat wounded veteran t-shirt who are an old power violence band from the 90s that would go i'd be able to sell that for fucking you know silly money um my mate toby who i was at domination with he had 
he pulled out some t-shirt of a, an old obscure black metal band and he was like well i don't really wear this anymore Let's see what it's worth on depop and someone offered him like 400 quid for it because it was one of those like super like elite for like the ultimate elitist metal fan that was like the grail t-shirt and he was like it was in great nick and it's like i love the t-shirt notification but i also, but I also love 400 quid <laughs> mm. um you know, so it's um but yeah you know I'll sell stuff on eBay, get rid of it. I know that I'm always going to make a loss. You know, a 316 t-shirt will sell for about 15 quid on eBay. You know, and it costs like you know, 40 or whatever. Um, but that's fine. Um, you know, it's going to someone else who is going to make use of it and going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd rather either sell it or pass it on to a mate um, rather than just sticking in a donation bag. I mean, band t-shirts go that way because... You know, worst comes to worst, they'll get they'll get points to the rag trade, so they'll get used there. Um, so yeah, that's that's been me really, just slowly just pushing stuff out. I had a very funny experience on Grailed, because um, I've got like different you know designers I follow, mm-hmm. and like 316 is one of them. And someone put up this hoodie, which was like very very early days when they were still almost kind of a streetwear brand. Mm. It's like this cool kind of like topographical map kind of camouflage and it was like 75 dollars us or something and i messaged the dude i was like hey man that's kind of a cool hoodie i might be interested in buying that um and he comes back to me he's like oh uh, i don't know if you noticed or not but I, I listed that on grilled like five years ago with the current market valuation i think i'd actually have to ask 500 us dollars for it instead of 75 <laughs> i was just like fuck. go fuck yourself <laughs> i didn't <laughs> respond to him but i was just like yeah that doesn't even warrant a response you could just yeah, go in a go in a hole yeah, fucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ilya, what about you? What's your um? Um, I I kind of I think he sells quite... all this stuff to me. Yeah, I I, <laughs> it. I I kind of go through cycles. I know my now that I know myself and my kind of personality, I like to try things. I like to experiment with things. So there's always things which are coming in which I will wear for a certain period of time. I will kind of suck their juices out of them and then I'll move move them on in, mm. in, in some ways. Mm. Whereas some pieces I know I will keep for a very long time. And, you know, I am definitely not planning on, on moving um, them on. Um, so, yeah, I have things which are, you know, seven, nearly 10 years old, um, which I, you know, still wear. Um, like my 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 Filson um, my jacket, um, the collab with Nigel Cabin, for example, that I know I'll never get rid of, um, and yeah, that that'll kind of stay with with me forever. Um, but yeah, the last few years, I guess um, I started to downsize a little bit more. Um, reading things like. Um, Ethan Newton did something uh, last, I think it was uh, last November 2021, um, talking about the things that, you know, the things you need, the core of things. Um, that kind of inspired me to try and uh, buy less. Uh, and the things that do buy, it's things I really, really want and really, you know, want to use. So this year I had a gentleman's agreement with my, uh, my friend in Australia, Paul, partial to vintage. Uh, where we said we kind of, you know, apart from pre, this is a very loose agreement. We had pre-orders which we had already, you know, booked and things like that, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't be buying stuff. 
um, which has kind of really centered both of us. I think we've come out of it kind of thinking, okay, there's a lot of things that we we've both have got rid of and um, thought to ourselves, okay, th this is the kind of thing that we want. And this is the things that we want to keep wearing over a long period. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just kind of taking that into, we'll be taking that into 2023 as well. Um, just making sure anything I add, it has to be things I can see, you know, serving some kind of purpose, either for me to experiment with or something I think I, you know, I'm going to get a lot of, a uh, ton of use out of. Um, so that, that's going to mm. be my approach. And as David knows, we've gone, both gone through a very downsizing in our uh, shoe department, uh, uh, <laughs> due to our feet. Um, and that's, that's kind of helped as well to kind of think, okay, don't, we don't need probably, you know, as many boots, uh, as we had before. So yeah, definitely more, more careful with what I'm, I'm bringing in, um, and getting the use out of what I have. So that's kind of been my approach. Um, yeah, and it always makes, always makes, I think, I don't know about you guys, but it always makes me feel better when I let go of those kind of things. And it can be a little bit of a, you know, there's a, oh, do I really want to get rid of it? You know, it's, it's this and that. It make me feel this. It's like maybe tied into some memories. But then when you do, you, you, there is a sense of relief. And I think when you look back at it, it's like that kind of, that want or that connection is kind of like you're happy for it to have, uh, have gone to somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah that, I think I think as soon as as soon as it gets into your head of like, oh, maybe I should get rid of this piece, you you probably should get rid of it. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. otherwise yeah. you wouldn't. Yeah, that that wouldn't yeah. pop yeah. into your head. Right. So exactly. Yeah. And and it sometimes mm. is a bit of a journey with, the, with those kind of pieces. Sometimes you kind of, oh, let me wear it a couple of times, see how yeah. I feel. Is it still bringing me the same kind of, you know, do I see myself? Does it do I feel good in it? Those kind of things. And sometimes it takes, you know couple of months maybe but um eventually you kind of think oh mm -hmm. that's the right the right decision to to do um yeah so yeah so yeah it is it, you do get an emotional attachment I, I mean i i get an emotional attachment to to my items uh, especially the ones which i like you know so um yeah mm. do you Come think uh, like a do you think like a rental service would work in the denim in our in our passion like i think i think i, I definitely don't... i definitely think it would i think especially with certain items more so than than others i, I guess maybe like more jackets you know if mm -hmm. like you know maybe in in the uk it doesn't get that cold so if you could if you know if you could rent a shearling jacket for a month you know, during January or something like that, a lot mm. of people might think, oh, okay, yeah, I can, that'd be great, you know, pay whatever it is, and then you, you give it back. Certain things um, you might not want to, like, I don't know, a pair of jeans, because it's something that you would wear most of the time, mm. you know. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely think that there is a market, and I think, there, you know, it's growing. Um, will it spill over into more or seen i don't know but perhaps um over time I, I could see it happening yeah i could see it like with outerwear mm -hmm. it being quite popular but yeah like with shoes maybe yeah, maybe yeah. 
Yeah, maybe with shoes, like you, you might not necessarily want to keep renting shoes out to different people, you know. Um, <laughs> some mushrooms yeah. growing in the toe box. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, you know, not just because of bacteria and smells and all those kind of things, but the way, you know, like proper shoes, how they mold to your feet. You don't really want to be using somebody else's, um, you know, shoes for that reason. Um, so, but yeah, mm. I think outerwear would probably be the best bet, like jackets, like you know, heavy shirt, over shirts, and stuff like that. Um, but e even normal shirts, I think, uh, would would go well with that. Vintage jeans, like faded jeans, I think would, you know. But every time you give them back, you know, you're gonna have to either dry clean them or wash them or stuff like that. So there's like yeah. that kind of there's that element of it as well, which. Um, it's yes, it is sustainable, but at the same time, is that how much energy are you spending on on those said items each time it goes back? Um, Absolutely, shipping, yeah, dry cleaning, washing, whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, but yeah, I, could, I I definitely could see a market for it. Hmm. It, it would definitely have to be something yeah, fun, like quite a popular brand, like you know, Real McCoys or you know, someone like that. Cause, you know. You're, it's I'm, I'm, something like maybe market could uh, could do because they you know they have they have those facilities they could potentially offer that um, um, yeah yeah because no one's mm. you know rent a universal works tech jacket when you know rent a real McCoy's or you know something like that you know you want to yeah. be front end with a, a, a very popular high-end brand um, it happens a lot in women's wear, right? Like there's a lot of women's wear sites where you can like mm -hmm. rent stuff, rent the runway, whatever, buy second hands. But I guess the key difference is their clothes is, are all designed to not patina and to not change. So it's like, hmm. you know, like, I like think luxury. That, that, that's one thing. That's one thing. They're not designed to do that. But also there's a there's a there's a thing of a mentality of like, oh, I have to be wearing something new for this event. You can't yeah. just you don't yeah. you can't just rock up in the same thing over and over again. Whereas I think for us, we kind of we're, we're in our scene. <laughs> uh, we're we're a lot more open to wearing the same thing over and over again. And it's it's almost like, a, you know. It's funny you uh, mentioned that, Ilya, um, absolutely, because uh, I remember uh, back in the States, I remember my parents um, being shocked of the fact that people would rent a suit or tuxedo or whatever, you know, like fancy dress, you know, to just go to um, a, a wedding or a very important event mm. or something and just hand it back the next day. Um, they, they sometimes they wouldn't even rent it. They would just buy it and then, nah, don't mm -hmm. want to send it back the next day, you know. Return and, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, just, you just return it. And the, I, I guess it's mainly, I guess, capitalism's fault because, you know, co competition is so fierce where they get to a point where, where then if you're not taking it back and the next door neighbor is, then I'm going to the next door neighbor. And so that kind of like, drives that a little mm -hmm. bit and I, I guess it's it's a bit cultural as well because for sure you would find different um different uh, ways of, of looking at it um, depending on where where you're living because i know back back home in portugal you know sundays used to be a big thing like you would you would wear your your best clothes on sundays because it's church mm -hmm. day as well so you would you know um, so for sure, it's 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 funny to look at that way. 
it's interesting how how so much of this kind of ties back into perception, right? It's like on the women's yeah. wear thing, there's like this perception that you got to be wearing something different each time you you go out for a night out. So you got to have different dress. You can't wear it twice, right? But re in reality, um, I think I, I remember reading somewhere that like on social media, if you post something on Instagram and you post the exact same thing, I think something like 60 days later, you get the exact same engagement because two months time is roughly the amount of time it takes for someone to forget what they saw. And like, if they see the same thing again, they'll react again. So like, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, great. You know, if you wear this dress 60 days later, great. No one's going to even know. Um, and, and the reason why perception came to mind is uh, myself this year, I've, I've pretty much sold off or I'm in the process of selling off almost my entire wardrobe, uh, give or take some things, because basically like I'm six foot two, and historically have been like 150, 160 pounds, like quite a skinny dude. And in my mind, I always had this perception that like my jeans need to be slim cut because that's the style. And my shirts need to be slim fit with like the shoulder seam landing exactly perfect right there on my shoulder, shoulder bone, um, like exactly on the corner. And so historically when I've bought rugged brands, whatever, I'd buy like a 31 waist slim tapered and then I would buy like an RGT or like a medium or like 316 medium, maybe large, depending if it was sanforized. And uh, I've, I've kind of realized now that my perception was wrong. And my partner, when I ask her honest opinion, she's British. She won't, she won't tell me unless I ask. But when I ask her, she's like, yeah, all of your shirts have been way too short for you for like as long as I've known you. Your clothes are too small. You know your sleeves don't go to your to your wrist i'm exaggerating pulling my shirt down but you know it's like your shirts are too short they don't drape well enough on you they look like they kind of stop at your belt and i'm like what do you mean she's like well basically mm -hmm. like, you're not a medium you, you need to stop buying mediums um and, and also she's like how, how long have, how long have you been together <laughs> oh gosh 12 years maybe yeah. well, um and, and it sounds then like you and she's also like, yeah, yeah, historically worn or like they're too skinny. And they, because you're tall, they make you look even skinnier. Um, so, so my perception was kind of being changed. And why this is relevant is um, I, I've been doing like kettlebell workouts at home for two, three years now. And slowly, slowly, slowly over multiple years, I've kind of filled out in the chest a little bit. So like now my shoulders and stuff are basically actually a large and a large garment fits me now when it used to look in my mind it, my perception was that it was too baggy but now like i actually do fit a large which is kind of cool which i probably should have been buying all along because i'm six foot two um and so basically all of my medium clothes like i some of them i can't button the neck anymore or they're like super pulling across the chest and i'm, I'm essentially selling mm. an entire wardrobe of, of size medium tops and replacing it with a couple size large tops and um, I'm selling like all of my size 31 jeans and replacing them with a couple size 32 jeans. And then on top of that, Ilya alluded to the fact that um, when I bought that Brannock device, I realized that my arch length was a US 11, not a US 10. So like almost all of my boots have either been sold or, or need to be sold. Um, like I still hang on to my, my black fiber Chromexel boots as like this kind of I'm like Golem, you know, these are like my precious, but they, I, I know they don't technically fit me anymore. They're like a half a size or a size too small, but like I've, I'm not quite yet to the point of letting go because like my perception is that I need them. But the stuff that I have let go of, hmm. like I've sold a bunch of RGT tops, I've sold 
some Alden boots. I sold some really special stuff to me. And, and like, I kind of like, don't even remember that I had it anymore. It's like, I've got some fade photos in my mm. album, but it's like, I don't open my wardrobe and be like, oh, where's my RGT Western that doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> it's just kind of, you know, I got like 10 years of fades on it and I let it go and it's like, doesn't effing matter. Yeah, I've like gone through a similar thing um, where I used to be, you know, super, super skinny, you know, you kind of buy stuff, you know, measured for the chest and it's like, you know, 38, 40 or whatever. But, you know, especially with Japanese stuff, you know, the sleeves are like down here and, you know, you can never tuck them into mm-hmm. your trousers because you just don't quite have that length. Um, and then I had to buy kind of new suit and shirts and stuff for like the four summer weddings I had. It's been a year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I went to like buy a new shirt and like, you know, get like properly fitted for it um, and try like on my usual size. And I was like, oh God, it's just like, you know, so tight across, across the dress, you know, I've, you know, filled in a little bit with that kind of um, coming up <laughs> tease uh, weight <laughs> and, you know, bought a size larger than I usually do. It was like, oh damn, this is comfy and the sleeves actually come out of my suit at the right length and I can tuck it in and I can like lift my arms up without it being like, <laughs> you can actually do this. <laughs> yeah, no, I can boogie quite effectively on the dance floor of the wedding. Um, and it's just mad how like, you know, kind of from what you kind of originally were buying, the difference in the fit and the comfort, you know, from that, um, getting the sizing right. And, and, you know, when you first put it on, you're like, oh, damn, this is loose. Like, I feel like I'm wearing a tent. This is ridiculous. Uh, I'm going to look so fucking stupid in my suit. Uh, and then, you know, once you kind of put the whole outfit on, you're like, oh, no, that's that looks right. <laughs> the, the, the gross tragedy of it, too, is like there's a whole bunch of dudes on the, like, Facebook raw denim group or Reddit raw denim that are, like, just starting this journey and they're making the exact same mistakes we made. Like, it, I, I swear, almost every fit check I want to be like, dude, you need like three sizes bigger, man. You're, you're, you're buying like a size 30 waist and you're like a 32, you know, your ass is hanging out. You're about to rip through the front zip fly of your jeans. Like, don't, don't do that, man. Or like, people are like, how's this, 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 uh, supply jacket. And it's like, they're basically kind of like, uh, Maggie Simpson, you know, they can't like a little cardboard star. Um, and like I know they're gonna eventually get to some point where they're like, shit, man, this these clothes are too little. Uh, they don't fit me. Uh, I feel bad for their wallets because I know my wallet is still Being crying from. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Which 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 then feeds back into having a good uh, in-store, you know, customer experience when you're going somewhere and you've got someone who can advise you um, how something should fit, you know, rather than just trying to make a sale and you know. Well, I, I won't mention names because I've I ranted I know you've, before. I know you've got your, your story about it, David, but yeah, that, that, that's what I'm alluding to. Yeah. Uh, basically, um, you know, having that customer experience, um, I think is really helpful when someone, if you can, obviously it's not possible all the time and a lot of people are buying things online. Um, but um, yeah, a, a lot of people do need that honesty on, 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 on those fit checks. Um, Cause I think we've all been there. Mm um so interestingly um with shoes there's the whole notion of like you size for heel to toe or you size for heel to arch and you go with whatever one's the bigger of the two um and like if that's too long for your toes that's fine or it's like i mean technically arch length probably wins in a battle but you you basically say get the biggest these metrics and buy for the big one 
And I'm kind of finding that mentality works for tops as well, where it's like, I kind of know what shoulder what length I need. I need about an 18 and a half inch or a 19 inch shoulder. I know for a chest, like a 22 inch chest measurement is going to work. Some garments have little shoulders, big chest or little chest, big shoulders. And it's like, now I just say, well, which one of these is the smallest of the two? And I buy so that it's big enough. And if the other one's too big, it doesn't freaking matter. So having that kind mm. of notion of like, what size chest do you need? What size shoulder do you need? And for any given garment, like buy for the smaller of the two such that it's yeah. big enough and the other one doesn't matter. But, but then know. but then you start looking at things like, you know, a work shirt, like a work shirt chambray <laughs> should fit a little bit boxy. You can go up a little bit. Whereas if you're buying a Western, you want to probably have a little bit more slimmer depending on on, on the style. And different, different shirting has different size, you know, the way you should size things. And obviously everyone has their own um, way of styling things. But mm. if you look at, uh, at how things should fit in the first place, I think that's a good guide uh, to looking at the measurements and sizing correctly for those. Um, but that's just, you know, very basic to, you know, shirt styles. Um, I would, yeah, I would, I would just uh, advocate that also alongside with that, maybe it's worth investing in a good tailor, um, knowing someone who actually can bring stuff in a little bit here and there. Because I know sometimes, uh, especially for us here in the West, when we're buying um, Japanese brands, the sizing can come a little bit off of you know, what we were expecting in the first place. But then I would always maybe probably just go for a bigger size if you're, um, if you're, you know, not sure about oh, about what size it, it should it should be, just probably go with the the bigger between both because then you can always take it to a tailor and have them, you know, bring mm. to the you know, sleeves or shoulders, whatever. Um, but yeah, that, the same thing goes for suits, even because most of the times we're just buying suits unless it's for work. But um, you know, when you're buying some nice. Uh, things either for wedding and stuff maybe you don't need to invest so much and just you know get something cheaper that you're only going to wear once a year or twice a year probably and then just have a tailor have it you know set to measure yeah i think another thing too is also knowing what brands to buy so like being really tall and skinny i've basically just decided like i just can't shop japanese because it's not made for tall skinny dudes you know it's made for like more kind of hmm. Not, not not necessarily shorter people, but people whose ratio of like height to width is is a more rounded average. Whereas like, yeah, I need to be looking at like Indigo Farah for like tall Swedish people, or like Telesun because like Pete and Tony are really tall, and like or like RGT but sized up, you know, because Carl's a tall skinny dude, and just kind of like, you know, I'm not gonna and just like give up on Japanese clothes really. Sad man. <laughs> well, yes and no. I mean, it is in some ways, but like at the same time, you can find it gets you to like like working within constraints gets you to find interesting stuff, right? You're like, oh, I never thought about this brand, Absolutely. but yeah, it might work for me for blah 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 reason. Yeah. Well, one other thing I'd add is is looking at you know smaller brands and uh, like one man brands who actually mm. can make things to your measurements or to give you a little bit, you know. Absolutely. 
leeway. So for for example, the the Bilby shirt which I'm wearing, I asked Tom to add on a bit of sleeve length for me because that's always somewhere I I lack in my in my clothing. So and these shirts always kind of traditionally can be come up shorter anyway, which is kind of the way he designed it. But I just asked him, you know, please add, you know, an inch to the to the sleeve. And you know, for someone like that, it's it's you know, it's not that difficult to do. Um, so yeah, having having a look at one man brands, I think is a, is a good way. And it's a nice way to support um, you know people and people who actually care about the you know clothing, how things are made. I think that's uh, definitely yeah, an mm-hmm. avenue. Also, learn to alter your own stuff. You know, if if yeah. you, if, you, if you're old, if your folks have an old sewing machine lying around, or you yeah. pick one up yourself, you can start kind of. Modify. I've modified a few garments to like add leg length or sleeve length when it's not chain stitched. Mm. One last thing too, I realize is um, I I realize that like I can't step outside of my comfort zone with clothing, so I'll eventually end up selling it. Um, the reason why I bring this up is like I bought these uh, Wabash trousers from um, uh, Railcar a while back. And like, I was like, oh yeah, I, I love Wabash shirt. Wabash jeans will be cool. But every time I wear them, I just don't feel right. <laughs> I mean, the fit's good. <laughs> they're, they're a great cut, but I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I feel like a chef or something. So so David, does Wabash stand out more than Neon? Well, that's the weird thing. Like, How <laughs> good I, 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 it's, it's something about patterns. Like I really feel weird in patterns. Um, what about Neon Wabash? <laughs> neon Wabash <laughs> with black, with black. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's something. I have this weird aversion to patterns. Like I could wear uh, camouflage because it makes me disappear. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> neon camouflage. <laughs> yeah. Like a yeah. They do. <laughs> but yeah, it's a really weird one. I was just wearing these yesterday, and I'm like, man, I just don't. I feel so weird in these, and like I know inevitably I'm going to sell them because I just don't quite feel right in mm. a striped trouser even though it probably looks okay. Um, so yeah, I think there's also something about not not necessarily stepping out of your comfort zone. Like if I stick to black, indigo, olive, uh, like I don't like white tees because I'm like, oh, I'll ruin them, you know? So I don't buy white, but like black, indigo, olive, or occasionally, I guess, neon line as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's my safety box. I got to stay in it. Maybe that's one future topic we could talk about is uh, comfort zones. <laughs> within menswear or clothing yeah 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 i guess it's time to bring out the assless chaps no I'm <laughs> dude i don't care what anyone says but the coolest thing about the, the community is no matter what it seems like everyone has their own you know quirk their own thing going on style style wise which is funny and i mean the fact david mm. that you just said i don't buy white shirts like white t-shirts that's for me that's like completely mind-blowing because <laughs> i have probably like four up there and and, and it's just really yeah. really cool that like you have your like the um, the neon thing going on um i know Elias is very heavily into uh the her- heritage side of things so it's just like these contrasts but it, there's somewhere where we all overlap and that's 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 really it's cool to see like all these quirks like coming together. <laughs> really mm. awesome. Yeah, I, I love white t-shirts and I love white 
you know, kind of Oxford cloth button downs. I just can't keep them clean. Like I end up ruining them with coffee, ruining them with, uh, you know, frying grease, indigo that won't wash off. I, I even with like white detergent, I swear, like I can just never seem to keep my white stuff white. And so I've just kind of like drawn a line under it and said, you know what, I'm just never going to buy white again. Uh, cause I, I can't, I can't keep it looking good. All, all my oldest t-shirts are actually black t-shirts because you just can't see the stains. <laughs> Gotta embrace that like Henry Law, Henry Rollins like black t-shirt and jeans look, you know, that's 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 where it's at. It's my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the bald uh, with uh, punching people in the crowd, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, um, any other thoughts on uh, Letting stuff go, calling the collection, selling things on, or maybe uh, should we wrap up there? I think it's a good, good ending. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Well. Well. Uh, awesome. Um, awesome episode today, guys. And, and thanks, uh, Ricky, for jumping on to join us. Hopefully, we can have you on uh, more episodes going forward. And and to that note, uh, we're experimenting a bit with um, kind of recording more regularly, but maybe shorter episodes. So. Uh, hopefully we can do some uh, some more content. I'm aware we haven't put anything out in a while. So uh, thanks, folks, for um, sticking with us. And hopefully we'll be be getting you more uh, more fun, uh, random banter in the coming coming weeks and months. And uh, on that note, uh, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, please follow us on Instagram at Sons of Selvage Podcast. Uh, message us on Instagram with any questions you'd like us to discuss on a future episode. And reach out if you'd like to join our Discord. Uh, it's slow and steadily growing, and we're we're getting some some new friends uh, on the Discord and meeting some new folks. It's uh, it's really cool. So, thanks everybody, and see you next episode.